0: It was a big week in the world of football, and specifically for Seattle. The NFL combine wrapped up, providing a closer look at this year's draft prospects, and the Seahawks signed quarterback Geno Smith to an extension. Joining us to break down how all of this affects Seattle's offseason is NFL writer for The Ringer and draft guru Danny Kelly. Let's light him up. I'm Jackson Bevins, and this is Cigar Thoughts. Welcome back to The Cigar Lounge. I am Jackson Bevins, and along with my 8-bit producer, Mike Barwin, this is The Cigar Thoughts Podcast. Mike, how are we doing today?
1: We're doing great, Jackson. The sun is shining. The internet is interneting, The NFL's infatuation with the city of Indianapolis can thankfully be... Tossed aside for another year, and the Seahawks just re-signed their Pro Bowl quarterback on a team-friendly deal. So in simpler terms, things are pretty damn good at the moment. How are you?
0: I'm doing great, man. I mean, it's been a hell of a week in the NFL. Combine took place, like you said. This gives teams their first real up-close look at many of these incoming rookies. And like we talked about last week, it also puts all the front offices in the same place at the same time. And I think that's the most underrated part of the Combine, but each year, Indy becomes the absolute epicenter of NFL decision-making and that one weekend plays a big part in shaping the immediate future of the NFL. Like you said, the Seahawks also beat the buzzer on the franchise tag deadline. They signed Geno Smith to a three-year 105 million extension with 40 million in fully guaranteed money. It's a huge windfall for Geno while also looking like a pretty team-friendly deal for Seattle, especially after seeing what Derek Carr and Daniel Jones signed for.
1: Yeah, man, totally. It's Bit of a maze navigating all the agent speak when these numbers are initially reported, but Gino's deal ends up looking like it's about two years for 40 or 50 million if he kind of regresses, whereas Derek Carr's is two years uh, 60 or 70, and Daniel Jones is about two years 82. Uh, If those guys want to get out of it after a couple of years. So Gino's in that middle ground. And I think that he was probably better than both of those quarterbacks last year. So I'm feeling pretty good about Seattle. They've got options in the draft as well for the future. So we are back, baby. We are back.
0: I know it, man. I know it. It's fun. And I can't think of many people better to have in on a day like this than the man joining us. He is one of the most talented writers covering the NFL. He co-hosts the hilarious Ringer NFL Draft and Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast. And each year... He puts together what is perhaps the most entertaining and informative draft guide out there. He is local legend, Danny Kelly. Danny, thanks for coming in. Thank you, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, buddy. It's good to see you. You too. You uh, all wiped out after Indy and <laughs> right after the Super Bowl too, I feel like.
2: Yeah. I've been on the road for a little bit here. I went to the Senior Bowl and then was back for a day. And then I went to the Super Bowl, was there for like eight days. And then I was back for a couple of weeks and then I went to Indianapolis. So now my traveling is over, thankfully, for a little bit here. Um, and you know, got to like lose 10 pounds after back to back to back traveling and drinking like constantly th- throughout the whole time. So <laughs> we um, call that networking. Trying to... <laughs> yeah. Networking. Yeah. That's what it is. So I can feel okay about it, but now I got to, you know, just like detox for the next couple of weeks. So, but, um, yeah, feeling good.
0: That's good, man. Well, you look great. Now, like you said, you were down at the combine this past weekend. I can't wait to get your thoughts on that experience, but before we do, let's talk a little Geno Smith. Yeah. Exactly one year ago to the day, the Seattle Seahawks pulled off the biggest trade in franchise history, sending Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos. The dominoes that have since fallen have been as advantageous for Seattle as they have been unlikely. The Seahawks made the playoffs while the Broncos cratered with Wilson at quarterback, and perhaps the most surprising development of all in the past year was the unvarnished success of Geno Smith, who led the NFL in completion percentage, set a franchise record for passing yards, and won the NFL's Comeback Player of the Year award. And like we said, as of yesterday, he was rewarded with an extension. Danny, what was your immediate reaction when you heard the news?
2: Um, I was happy, I guess, just cause to get it done and not have to have too much drama around the whole situation. Um, nice change the of pace. The initial number was actually right around where I thought it would be. It was, it was reported as three years, $105 million. Um And then, of course, after that's just like the, the agent telling a report or whatever what the deal is and that's like the highest end of possibly what it could be. Um and then when the actual numbers came out, it looked a lot more team friendly and I was actually a little bit surprised honestly I was that he didn't that he didn't take or get more. Um and that's not a bad thing necessarily. Obviously it's good for the Seahawks. I think Gino is once again betting on himself and if he does play well and he does continue to be like ball out, he'll make like 30 million more than what I you guess like the baseline of his contract is. So I don't know what technically in, you know, salary cap parlance, there's not likely to be earned incentives and likely to be earned incentives. I don't know. I don't know if we've seen exactly what the incentives are yet. So it's unclear what they're going to be. But um, I'm guessing some of it's tied to like playoffs. Some of it's probably tied to Pro Bowl. Some of it's probably tied to stats and things like that and games played. So we'll see. But um, I think, it, you know, all in all, good for Gino to get the bag and to get a lot of money, maybe not as much as he could have gotten if he'd, really like held out and gone to other teams and all that stuff but at the same time i think it makes sense for him to stay with the seahawks it's a good place for him obviously they've got a great chemistry here and he's he loves the locker room he loves the coaching staff it's like this offense is built well for him all that stuff so it just it's kind of one of those situations where you know i think it's good for both sides even though i don't know if smith necessarily maxed out what he could have gotten
0: yeah, and I'm pretty open about wanting these players to get as much money as they can. I totally get it. This is an extremely fragile career. And and Gino has he's bided his time. You know, he's just been taking one-year contracts year yeah. after year waiting for his opportunity and and staying ready. And so it's great to see him make a ton of money. It's less than I think he could have got. My prediction was closer to 60 million guaranteed. So when I saw 40, I was like, wow, okay, Uh, that does a couple of things. But since it's an important part of uh, the contract, and since teams do have to keep back the money to pay incentives if they're hit, we never talk about the difference between likely to be earned and unlikely to be earned um, incentives. And I'm glad you mentioned it. So tell me a little bit more about that. Is it fair to say that likely to be earned incentives are like what you were saying? Hey, if you make the playoffs, if you... Throw for this many touchdowns, blah, blah, blah. Those are the likely to be earned incentives that say, hey, there's a good chance he hits this. And then unlikely is more like if you win MVP or win a Super Bowl or whatever.
2: I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think it's, I don't actually know how they define it. And I don't, I don't exactly know if there's rules for it. I should dig into that, but there's just like, you know, a million nuances to salary caps and the contracts and how the NFL works. That's why, you know, there's a couple, really high-end specialists on salary cap, and then the rest of us are just trying to figure it out as we go along. Um, But, yeah, I think it it is along those lines. It's, like, things that are, like, wild, like, um, leads the NFL in touchdowns. You get 100K or whatever. Like, things like that, I think, are probably considered, like, not likely to be earned. And then things that are more likely to be earned are, are like, yeah, playoff – get get the team to the playoffs or you know this that or the other start seven games or whatever and and things like that like they count towards i believe they count towards the salary cap whereas the not likely to be earned do not count towards the salary cap unless they're earned and then i I don't know exactly how it works but bottom line like it is a team-friendly deal um i want to say his his cap hit we don't we haven't seen officially anything i don't think i
0: I haven't yet no his cap is
2: probably going to be like somewhere in the twenties maybe even not that depending on how they end up, um, you know, pushing it out to the future. So that's like really huge for the Seahawks who are again, still trying to build something here. They could, you know, they have quite a bit of money in free agency that they could still go spend. You know, they've got, they've got uh, a lot of draft picks, especially early on in the draft. So um, I'm sure the Seahawks pitched Gino on all of this stuff. Like, I'm not trying to just be like a, a mouthpiece for the team, but like, you know, taking that, Money and taking that contract is like going to be good for the team and maybe get you to, you know, the playoffs and, and all that and build around him. And so, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Like, again, the Seahawks, like, you said, I think the other day, like Pete Carroll and John Schneider are on a freaking heater right now. They just keep, you know, I think like nailing everything that they're trying to do.
0: Yeah. You know, my one of my hesitations with the potential trade of Russ Wilson and, and those who have listened to the show know that I, I sort of started to warm to the idea leading up to the actual trade, but spend most of the previous two years thoroughly against it. Yeah. And and part of my hesitation wasn't so much that, hey, it's Russell Wilson over everything. It's just that if you're going to trade such a valuable piece, what you're getting are a lot of small dominoes in return. Mm-hmm. And those all have to fall a certain way for you to win this trade. They all fell Seattle's way. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like seriously the players they got with those picks uh you know and, and they've only gotten half of half of the the picks so far you know to be picking in the top five this year again is just it's it's incredible and i i think the bigger thing for me is it has been so refreshing to see how this negotiation went because ever since i'm mean, winning when Russ Wilson signed his first extension, it was like 2017, 2016, something like that. Mm-hmm. Seattle has just had a string of really contentious ex- <laughs> conversations yeah. about contracts with their best players, not just Russ. I mean, it happened with all of the Legion of Boom members. You know, the, the quietest, most do-it-for-the-team guy, Cam Chancellor, uh, Paul Allen, no had to call in and say, get yeah. this fucking deal done. Like, stop fucking around, you know? And this one just, it just felt friendly the whole way. Felt like everyone was working towards the same goal. And I think it just highlights how different the vibes are now versus how they've been, honestly, for like five or six years with this team. It is.
2: It's very, the, I think we've, we talked about it all year long, Jackson, like, in, in the group chat, basically, like, things could not have fallen any more perfect for the Seahawks. It really, truly felt like we were living in a simulation or some shit. Like, all of a sudden, Russell Wilson sucks and is getting booed <laughs> by his own fans. And, like, all this, cre- like, literally couldn't have got, from the Seahawks' point of view, it would have been better if they lost that final game. But, like, from the Seahawks' point of view, like, everything came up like Carol in that whole year. Yeah. Russell Wilson cratered. The Broncos sucked. It's like a top five pick. Geno Smith all of a sudden comes out of nowhere and is like a top ten quarterback. Uh, their vibes are amazing. The, again, the home crowd is booing Russell Wilson. Everybody in Denver like, in like hates week Russell three. Wilson. Three,
0: they're counting down the play <laughs> clock in week three. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's just in, it's actually hard to believe all that I know. happened. And in uh, in a lot of like you know different worlds or whatever. Like there's so many different timelines of how this could have gone. Like the Seahawks could have freaking made Drew Locke the starter. Made a terrible decision there. They could have, you know, they didn't know that Gino was going to be who they were, who he was, because they he freaking didn't even sign until like really late in the in the off season. You know what I mean? Like they were not really pushing it that hard to get Gino back. Um, So there's a lot of ways that this could have absolutely gone terrible for the Seahawks, um, but it didn't. And so you know they have every right to gloat. And when I was there at the combine, like there was unmistakable, just like gotcha fuckers, like you know. (laughs) basically just they were having a really good time they were feeling themselves <laughs> you know there was like this is their moment to like gloat like john schneider was at the at the podium and he was just freaking working the crowd working like every time someone asked a question he'd be like oh you look tan like oh what where you been like blah, blah blah like just like a total like a stand-up comedian or whatever just working the crowd um and yeah they're just feeling themselves right now and then they took the high road with the whole russell wilson um report about how he tried to get them fired they took the high road sort of but also at the same time confirmed the report yes they and did so they said you know, a
0: lot by not saying anything
2: exactly so um yeah it was i mean again it was just like a really unlikely season but like everything fell this seahawks way um makes me a little bit nervous for next year actually <laughs> <laughs> like, it was just a little too perfect maybe I don't know.
0: yeah yeah uh right we're gonna wake up in a matrix pod and realize uh, none of this was real, you know. Yeah. You know what the I was thinking about recently, maybe the most unheralded tiny domino that fell in all of this was Drew Locke getting COVID during the preseason. Oh, right. Because yeah. they were going to alternate starts and kind of go off of that. And mm-hmm. when it was Drew Locke's turn to start, he got sick and couldn't play. And Gina went out there and killed it. And then it was just it was just kind of over that at that it. point.
2: Schneider even said that yeah it was like basically Locke got sick uh, Gino played well and that was it that was over like the third starter like it was the third game of the preseason and and Drew Locke got that and it was just like at that point it was you know a foregone conclusion that Gino had won the game or won the starting job so yeah it was definitely a tough one for him but like at the same time I mean Locke didn't really do anything during training camp or whatever to like change anyone's mind Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. So one one last thought on the Geno contract, uh, and then I want to get to the draft itself. Now I'm I'm not saying that the team wants to, but does this give the Seahawks the ability to move on before the three years are up? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think um, again, we don't know the exact parameters of the of the deal and like what the dead cap would be and all that stuff. But it, from what I understand, it's like 40 million over the first two years, guaranteed, and then after that you know, that they can move on. And even if they, if 2023 goes terribly, I don't know if it's going to be debilitating or whatever, if if you try and move on from him. So it's one of those things where it gives the Seahawks a ton of flexibility. It doesn't lock them in to an, to an albatross contract, which a lot of teams have like fallen victim to over the last few years. It kind of like hamstrings them from a cat point of view and more or less marries you to a guy, even if he sucks. Um, That's not going to be the situation here with the Seahawks. Like Geno Smith, you know, number one is taking an under market contract for what he did last year. Of course, there's a lot of doubt and uncertainty over whether he can recreate what he did last year. But like, based on what he did last year, he is now still getting paid less than he should be. So, yep. you know, I think that's a good thing for the Seahawks um, and gives them some, it built in wiggle room in case he completely falls back to earth and like sure. is terrible. I don't see that happening, but like, you know, he's a 32 year old who's had one top tier season. So, um, Yes. So at the end of the day, you know, what you're asking is like, will they take a quarterback in the draft? I think they still absolutely could. They signaled at the combine that they'd still be willing to do so and that they have like a unique opportunity to do that because they're in the top five. There's four good quarterbacks in this class. So if they want to take a quarterback, they almost surely can. So, you know, it's one of those things where it would be stupid of them to completely ignore that opportunity
0: yeah yeah i mean if nothing else they've preserved their leverage which is a huge huge deal because i do think that the number five pick is the last fulcrum pick in the draft you Mm -hmm. know i think that they're you've got depending on how the jalen carter situation shakes out between now and the draft you've got four consensus top 10 quarterbacks with the potential that all four go in the top five plus one head above the rest defensive player in will anderson And so at five, you do have the leverage to either stick and pick or trade back. And, you know, we posted a poll yesterday asking people, now that we know most of the details with the extension, how do you feel about the Seahawks taking a quarterback at five? And we broke it into four options. First one was I'm more into the idea. Second one is I'm less into it. Third was I feel the same as before. I still want a quarterback. And the fourth was same as before, I still don't want a quarterback at five. And the results were interesting because 50% said the deal changed their minds one way or the other, and 50% said it didn't. But what was even more interesting to me was that 76% of the people who had their minds changed did so in favor of getting a quarterback. and 66, Oh, interesting. Yeah, and 66% of those who held their original opinion were still in favor of drafting a quarterback. So all told, 71% of the respondents are in favor of taking quarterback of five, which really, se- yeah, it seemed crazy to me before the Combine but it yeah. feels like the combine kind of shook that up a little bit.
2: This is why you can never trust Twitter.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's also <laughs>
2: the, Like, I feel like, I mean, if this is something I always try to remind myself is that like the echo chamber on Twitter is not re- real world. It's not the reality of what most people probably think, or it's not always like that anyway. Yep. Um, because I think in, in my little Twitter, you know, echo chamber, I think most people probably would not want to take a quarterback. At least that was how it felt. Um, you know, just based on the idea that you could get like one of these blue chip guys, whether it be Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, and then continue just to build around Geno and go for it this year. Um, So that is, that is surprising. But I think maybe also the combine influenced people in favor of Anthony Richardson by a lot Mm -hmm. and maybe even Stroud too. Um, I think the combine was good to both of those guys and, and especially Richardson because he, Literally tested he, as the best athlete at yeah, quarterback he ever. Broke it. So, so, <laughs> like, I mean, he was like more than anyone even expected. I, I, like, I said on on my pod like before the week, I was like, if he tests, Anthony Richardson is going to be the story of the combine. I didn't expect him to be the best athlete at quarterback ever. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I thought he was going to be fast and and explosive, but not what he did. So, yeah, know, he he absolutely blew the doors off, as as it said, as they say. Um, and he was amazing. So
0: yeah. Well, and, and to that point, you know, um, one of the numbers that a lot of kind of draft look at, and that I like to, I'm, I'm certainly not that, but that I like to pay attention to is a combine score called RAS, which I believe stands mm-hmm. for relative athletic score. Yeah. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, they basically take all of the measurements and the testing and they give a composite score with 10.0 being the single best ever. So it's like graded on a right. curve, right? You can't right. get higher than a 10. If someone... Becomes a ten, then whoever was the ten drops down to whatever percentage of that is. Mm-hmm. And Cam Newton had been the benchmark for quarterbacks for I don't know when you get drafted fifteen years ago, and twenty ten or twenty eleven, yeah. Yeah. So for that whole time, there hasn't been a quarterback who was tested better relative to their size than Cam Newton until Anthony Richardson, and he blew the doors off of Cam Newton. <laughs> Yeah. Like he ran like almost two tenths faster at basically the same size, jumped higher, jumped further. Uh, he looked good throwing the ball. Yeah. It it was the Anthony Richardson show.
2: Um, the, uh, to give you some context, like to me, like the Cam Newton thing is, is awesome. Like Cam Newton is sort of just in this rarefied air as an athlete. Like there's nobody that really looks like him in terms of his size, his ability to run all that stuff until Josh Allen came into the NFL. Yep. And I feel like Josh Allen has been sort of the gold standard when it comes to, here's what a ceiling can look like for quarterback based on physical traits because he obviously was taken early in the draft because of his traits, not because of his stats, not because of his accuracy, not nothing because he was basically terrible in college as, uh, as a passer, which, you know, that's part of quarterbacking is throwing the football. Um, And they developed him. They put a lot of weapons around him, and all of a sudden he became one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, And to me, he still is like – the embodiment of upside like why you why we take upside and i was i didn't even realize this but i was looking at his combine and hold on i'm pulling it up he ran a four six three sorry no this is the wrong josh allen hold on that's the that's the password i think i think josh allen ran like a four seven something yeah um and so, so like that just absolutely puts into like context or whatever like how fast uh anthony richardson he's ran a four four three or whatever it was And it is just insane to think about, like, he's like so much faster than Josh Allen and like Josh Allen runs around and and like runs over everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy. And if you look at the Richardson highlights, I mean, he's got, he's got the full bucket getting package as a runner too. You know, I mean, he can run through you, he can run past you, he can jump over you. He's got the spin move and, and he does it keeping his head up it looks like he's still looking to throw. So he's very exciting. Yeah, um, You mentioned C.J. Stroud, the quarterback out of Ohio State, who, I mean, honestly, is kind of Steph Curry-ish with his accuracy in terms of just everything he does is so good. He, he was unafraid to talk about how he throws guys open at the combine. Mm-hmm. And then we saw that, right? I mean, when these guys do their throwing drills, they are – working with receivers they've never worked with before, right? So the steps are different. The timing is a little bit different and you see that and you see every single quarterback just miss a little bit. If it's not a straight up miss, it's, it's to the wrong shoulder or the receiver has to reach a little bit further than necessary or go behind them. That didn't happen once with Stroud throwing all of these routes and you know, the, the elite 11 is kind of the big uh, amateur quarterback development, high school quarterback development series of camps and competitions I learned recently, you might have known this already, CJ Stroud has the highest accuracy ranking in the history of Elite 11 going through that and won their national yeah. championship when it came to the, the throwing drills and all that stuff. So he obviously uh, put himself in contention for the number one spot as well. Yeah, I mean,
2: I, I feel like, and I've been saying this for a couple months now, Stroud is sort of the Trevor Lawrence of this class. Because if you go back a couple of years to when Trevor Lawrence was the unquestioned first overall pick, and Golden Boy, one of the top quarterback prospects of all time, like he was, you know, like up there with Elway and whoever, um, as just like the most can't miss quarterback in in a generation. And we barely ever talked about him in the pre draft process. Like he just, we just didn't really talk about him. It was all just sort of assumed he's going to be the number one pick and he's great. And so like there wasn't really a lot to talk about. I think there's a little bit. It's not clearly, it's clearly not as much as um, it was with Lawrence, but there's a little bit of that with Stroud. In the sense that, like, he had two straight years of just absolutely elite production. His his passing numbers are insane. Um, and he he's the best thrower of the football in the class in terms of not necessarily arm strength. He's not the strongest arm, but he's absolutely, you know, pinpoint accurate. Um, you know, he, he can vary his throws. It's like he's got, as Jackson, you'll appreciate that. He's got a lot of clubs in his bag in terms of, like, he can, you know, yeah. he can take a little bit off of it in the short area. You know, he, he leads guys. Um, He throws the anticipation, which is not something that's super common necessarily for college quarterbacks coming out. You know, he's throwing it before the guy's going to their break kind of deal. And so um, I just feel like he's flying under the radar, weirdly, even even though he's like literally, I think, the best thrower in the class. And, And his numbers are absolutely insane. And part of it is that he's been surrounded by legitimately some of the best receivers on the planet not just yeah. in college football yeah. like in the pl- on the planet like some of the best receivers in the world he's been throwing to over the last few years and olave garrett wilson Jackson smithing jigba is probably going to be a first rounder um and then marvin harrison junior is probably better than all those guys yeah so and then uh, who's the other guy the jamison williams also was on ohio state <laughs> and yeah. he was the
0: Yeah that's that's how good the ohio state receiver room is is that jamison williams who is a what 11th pick overall with a busted leg yeah. had to transfer to Alabama, which is like the only other school besides maybe LSU yeah. that can like tout a similar uh, receiver room. No, it's crazy. And I, I think it's easy to write off a guy like Stroud saying, well, yeah, of course he was good. You know, it's like Zach Mettenberger throwing to Odell Beckham Jr. And Jarvis Landry. Like, of <laughs> course he's going right. to be good, you know? And, and it's like, now Stroud, Stroud is like actually really good on his own. And I think, one of the things that we tend to forget as fans is when teams are making these decisions, it's not to give us what we want. It's to preserve their jobs. And if you're taking a franchise quarterback, your livelihood is on the line. And I got to think that the safety that a GM feels taking CJ Stroud is probably higher than any of the other quarterbacks. Is that fair? Yeah, I
2: would say so. The one thing, the only thing I would like, and this would more just be like devil's advocating it a little bit, but like, I think the floor play the, uh, where you guys have a guy who can be essentially like Jalen hurts for the first two years of his career and not really pass all that much because they have the running ability. Some teams I think maybe buy into that, that the athletic, the super athletic quarterbacks who can be a big part of the run game, maybe offer you a little bit bigger floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't think most interval teams probably don't believe that, you know, Jalen hurts was a second rounder for a reason. So, um, yeah, I would say to me he feels the safest for sure. I th- I think Richardson is probably the most risky just based on the fact that he has 13 career starts to his name, very few actual throws in games, which again to me the the best way I can picture the idea like teams are starting to buy into the idea. actually it's been a lot, it's been happening for a long time. Like the more starts you have in college as a quarterback, like your track record is that you're more likely to succeed, succeed in the NFL just because you've had more live fire throws. You like defenses are flying around at full speed versus like in practice where maybe guys are going like three quarters of the speed or whatever. And um, there's just no real replacement for being in games and throwing in games. And we've seen a lot of guys that haven't thrown very many passes in actual college games come into the NFL and just like flame out. They like, just don't live up to their quote unquote potential because they maybe just can't process quickly enough or they don't see it. And then they start getting hit and then they start dropping their eyes um, at the pass rush and all that stuff. So I think when you when it comes to Richardson, like he just hasn't thrown the pass, thrown very many passes in his, in his college career. And that's like a big concern. Um, and there's a big question mark whether he can overcome that. So the, the metaphor of what I was going to say, the metaphor I always kind of come down to is like going out and trying to play golf without going to the driving range. um, Like just anything could happen when I swing that, like I'm literally living that, like I don't ever go to the driving range. And then when like my, one of my friends gets married, I have to go golf with them. And then I like <laughs> fucking suck. I just throw it. Like I just like hit it all over the place. I don't have any confidence. I can throw it like throw it. I don't have any confidence. I can hit it down the fairway. And so um, to me, that's like, Similar feel to what it's like if you don't have a lot of like live game reps throwing the football and and like doing it against like you know full speed defenses and all that. So I think it's just hard to do for for a lot of you know young quarterbacks, and so that's why it's such a huge concern with with Richardson. But of course, his his upside is insane.
1: So what you're saying is you don't trust Trey Lance with a seven iron?
2: <laughs> yeah, and and you know, God forbid he tries to hit it with a driver, like that thing could go anywhere. So, um, but yeah, no, that was this exact same argument we had with Trey Lance was um you know he just has x amount of throws in his college career he, he went back even go back to high school he didn't throw it very much because yep. it was a big running team in high school um and it's like you look at trevor lawrence who's thrown his collective high school and college experiences he threw like 2500 passes and if it's like anthony richardson in college he's like 300 something you know yep. um and so that's a concern um but like with trey lance there was a lot of talk about how he's you know, really polished. He was running a pro style system in college and he could like get up on the whiteboard and like dissect defenses. And he he spoke NFL language in terms of like call, calling plays and things that are actually really hard for a rookie quarterback is just going into the huddle and being like, 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 Wait, what are know, they trying like? to give a play play call? It's like impossible. Just trying to imagine like you're, you're trying to fucking memorize play calls instead of actually thinking about what you're doing on the play. You know right. what I mean? Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's playing quarterback is really hard. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. like twelve good ones. So, and
0: just and just one thought on that too, because uh, there is a lot of Trey Lance comparisons being made, and, and Trey Lance's career has not gone according to schedule so far. Uh, you know, Trey Lance was doing that one aa He also. Took the year off, uh, I believe, because right, of COVID right. coming yep. in. So he had some serious rust and and all that stuff. Anthony Richardson is fresh off of a full season in the goddamn SEC. So yeah. and he, and he's just a different. He's just a different size and different athlete too. Oh, I mean,
2: he's like orders of magnitude more athletic.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, there's two others, uh, two other quarterbacks that we need to hit on. Just because one, I mean, quarterback is the most important position, and this is one of the most. Honestly, one of the most important quarterback classes. I can't remember the last time that we were talking about four quarterbacks going in the top five picks of an NFL draft. And so you've got... I don't think it's happened. Yeah. And so you've got two others. And this is really a a what's-your-favorite-flavor QB class because all four of them are exceptional at various things. The two that we haven't touched on yet are Bryce Young, the Heisman winning do-it-all just pure vibes quarterback who's little coming out of Alabama. And then you got Will Levis, who was just like the mid nineties prototype, big, tall <laughs> rocket laser arm yeah. guy. He
2: was, who, he, he's he was born in the mid nineties too.
0: Yeah, I know. He's just like for, for a lot of these GMs who have been looking for the next Elway or the Mer, next Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, these guys that, you know, were great when, when they were coming up, that's Will Levis. And, and he's coming out of Kentucky. He had a great, uh, a year, two years ago, and then really struggled this year. And there's a number of things you can point to that maybe led to that. What are your thoughts on those two?
2: Starting with Levis, I don't know. I can't. Levis is hard. He's a conundrum for real. Like tools wise, he's very impressive, and I get why teams like him. And I get like honestly, there's a chance he's the first pick. You know, he that's still in play. I think even though he was like, I would say not like the most impressive at the combine. He he definitely didn't stand out. Relative to the other guys, it was. I would say Stroud stood out for his accuracy and just kind of his demeanor on the on the on the podium. I thought he was really impressive. And then of course Richardson stood out just because he's um, the most freakishly athletic quarterback ever. Um, and there's a caveat there because a lot of quarterbacks don't test, but like still, just looking at him, like he is insanely athletic. Um, when it comes to Will Levis, he has an incredible arm. You know, his his arm is really really impressive. He can flick that thing and just get it all the way down the field you know he has no problem throwing off platform and, and you know when it comes to just pure arm strength and arm talent he has that and so I definitely understand why teams like him on the and, and then to go with that like he played a Taysom Hill style role earlier in his career in, in Penn State so he's athletic he can move he's tough he's physical he's competitive he's like trying to run guys over in 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 dope field and things like that like he's from a football guy's point of view, like I can see why they would like a guy like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then there's a lot of huge question marks. Number one, he's old for a prospect. I think he's going to be a 24, 25 year old rookie, which is, you know, behind the curve in terms of development, compare that to Anthony Richardson. who's probably going to be around that age when he finishes his first contract. Um, and so there's that. In addition to the fact, his numbers really fell off this last year. I was watching his 2021 tape. He was one of the guys I was most excited for this year. Mm-hmm. Like I thought he was going to be one of my guys, and he d- didn't really end up being. I
0: still am impressed with him, and I think he'll he could end up being a good pro. But are you surprised he didn't come out last year? Because I feel like he would have been yeah. the Stone Cold. I mean, that was the weakest quarterback class ever last year. He would have been.
2: I mean, <laughs> top honestly, top. I I do remember specifically asking. I can't remember who I was talking to, but I was like, if he would have come out, would he have been the first quarterback taken? Like I think there's a pretty strong chance of that not necessarily in the top 10 but like you know physically speaking he was more impressive than than Kenny Pickett who has tiny hands of course and that's like a big concern for a lot of teams and so um yeah i mean he probably should have maybe he should have i don't know he's still probably going to be He's still going to go pick. high yeah um but yeah i mean he he's just one of those guys that kind of just fell short this last year i saw from PFF this is not everything but like it confirmed what I was seeing on tape, which is I was a little bored watching him play in 2022. Like his tape is just kind of boring. And he had of the top quarterbacks in this class, by far the fewest big time throws, like he just didn't make any splash plays. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if that's necessarily a concern for teams or it it is a little bit of a concern for me. um, Especially considering one of the excuses that gets thrown around is he was like trying to carry this team that didn't have a ton of talent. Like he wasn't really creating any big plays or going for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, one of the things people say is, like, oh, he's got a lot of turnovers, but he's trying to carry the team on his back. I'm like, well, okay, well, where were the big plays then? Mm-hmm. You know, if he was really, like, airing it out and, like, playing hero ball, like, how come he didn't create any big plays? And so, I don't know. To me, it's just it's, – it's concerning. His tape was a little bit boring, so he falls behind a little bit compared to the other guys. Um, and, again, he puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Like, there's decision-making question marks there, <laughs> along with what he does in the field, so –
0: just kind of a weird guy. He eats bananas with the peel on.
2: Yeah. What is he's, that?
0: He's a he's weird guy. Weird guy about to make a lot of money. Talk to me about Bryce Young. <laughs> um, Bryce
2: Young is awesome, man. He he is my quarterback one. After all this, after talking about all these other guys the whole time, Bryce Young, quarterback one, um, by a hair over over C.J. Stroud for me. But, again, it's just are you which team is going to bet on an absolute historic outlier in terms of his size. You know what I mean? Like he's small. He's short and skinny. Um, and that's just not something that really the quarterbacks like that don't get taken in the first round and quarterbacks like that have not ever really panned out. And so is he going to be this extreme historical outlier is the question. Like he has all the talent and, and, um, I've compared, I compared him to Fran Tarkenton meets Jason Kidd because Fran Tarkenton was famous for like, he basically invented scrambling and this is in Fran Tarkenton's words. Um, he invented scrambling. He would like run around escape the pocket, make guys miss, make a play, still, like, throw it downfield, d- do all that stuff. This was well before Russell Wilson, like, you know, became very famous for this and all that. Um, but then also for the Jason Kidd comp, like, Bryce Young's field vision and his ability to synthesize coverage and just know where everybody is at all times is insane to me. Like, he, he'll, like, spin around, escape a sack, turn his back to the defense, And then turn around and immediately throw it downfield for a touchdown. Like it's like just crazy how he he could just know where everybody's gonna be at any given time and like more or less just like predict where the routes are gonna be and like just throw the ball there. And so
0: he um, he had my favorite tape of all of these guys. Yeah, but did he hurt himself by not competing at the combine?
2: No. Well, maybe a little bit, but I think he would have hurt himself more if he's out there running around throwing passes against anthony richardson and cj stroud because he's gonna look even like less impressive to me Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. you're out there standing next to anthony richardson alone like think about the guys running nfl teams like these are a lot of times like big former nfl guys been around the nfl their whole lives and you got anthony richardson standing there next to bryce young like who are you gonna take yep (laughs) yep it's like going who are you gonna go to battle with yeah you're gonna go to battle with achilles it's, or like this short little guy and over it's here, it's you know funny I mean? it's like
0: that that photo uh from dk metcalf's rookie year where he's seeing on the sideline next to tyler lockett and i think <laughs> i think dk like yeah. is, is slightly in the foreground of the photo too so it looks even more ridiculous you know it's like uh <laughs> arnold schwarzenegger and danny devito but seriously but like bryce young Tyler Lockett is far more refined than DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. You're going to fall yeah. in love with the size and the skills and the athleticism. But when it comes to actually being an NFL wide receiver, DK Metcalf is not on Tyler Lockett's level. Right. And are you, are you kind of saying this is, this is what we're seeing here yeah. where when it just comes to actually playing the position, you've seen enough from Bryce Young to say, this is my guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This That's a perfect analogy, honestly, like Lockett versus DK. that That's like absolutely perfect. Um, Yeah. Like, Bryce Young, he's just a really good quarterback. He's he's the best overall quarterback, I would say, in the class. Like he's not that he doesn't have a really strong arm. In fact, he throws from a, like a really narrow base a lot of times, which causes his like deep balls to die a little bit on the end. But he's so good at knowing where to go the football, anticipation, playmaking, ability to escape, vision. He throws over the middle field just fine for being how short he is. So that's not a huge concern to me. Um but again, it's just my reticence to bet on an absolutely extreme outlier. You know what I mean? Like there's just a reason most for the, throughout the history of the NFL, none of these guys have been that small. That's not to say he can't do it. And that's not to say maybe this will be more common going forward, because I think teams are starting to accept that you can be a little bit smaller, but the the history of small guys is not very good. Like, honestly, like look at Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's even bigger than, than Bryce young and he flamed out after a couple of years. Look yeah. at Kyler Murray. I don't know what the hell's going on with that. He got right. a big second contract, but I don't know if he necessarily is going to live up to it. So, and and Kyler Murray, by the way, way more athletic and bigger.
0: Yeah. So like like there was that uh, that those Heisman commercials for uh, Dr Pepper, and yeah. you know Bryce Young was able, now with NIL. He was able to actually do that before he graduated. So when he won the Heisman, he joined the Heisman House, or whatever. And there's this there's this one. Uh, commercial where they're standing next to each other in the backyard and I don't care what the combine measurements say, which was basically like identical to, right, right. to Kyler Murray. Different body They, they are yeah. not the same body, you know, like one of them looks like a fire hydrant. The other one looks like a little <laughs> telephone pole, you know? And so <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. like, you know, it's, it is, it is different. I, I would say though, since Kyler Murray is the guy that you're going to hear um, brought up most as like a comp for Bryce Young, the thing that we can't measure for is the CEO aspect of being a quarterback. Mm. And I think that there's probably a pretty big gap between Kyler and Bryce young when it comes to, okay, we're a $5 billion company. Whose hands are we going to put this in? You know, I, I, yeah. I think, I think that's more the issue with Kyler than his actual on-field play, which has been pretty good. Um, just objectively speaking. Okay. Right. So, I do want to get to uh, some of these other positions. Some of the other players might be a fit for Seattle. But, you know, when you're ranking your top four quarterbacks, let's say, you're kind of doing it in a vacuum. But there are team-specific considerations to make here. So let's zoom in on Seattle. And you're talking about a team that is young. They're up and coming. They've got a lot of their peripheral positions locked in right now. And they've also got their quarterback for at least one year, but probably at least two. So Mm -hmm. if you're the Seahawks, how would you rank those four quarterbacks in order?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, (laughs) I mean, my heart, my head says the way I have it ranked, which is Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Levis. That's, that's how my head would say, let's, let's how here, here's how I would rank them. Um, My heart says go get Anthony Richardson because he could break the NFL. You know what I mean? Like that's like maybe I'm letting the siren song of like elite upside kind of like get the best of me there. But especially for a team like the Seahawks who, like you said, have a quarterback locked in for probably two years. Anthony Richardson, it would be a perfect scenario for him, honestly, to sit behind a guy like Geno who, you know, Came, he had a hard time in the NFL, obviously until like he all of a sudden came out and, and was a really good starter last year. Like I feel like there's a lot of ways to mentor and and teach Anthony Richardson the, the aspects of being a pro, but also giving him the time to like get more reps, you know, learn the offense really, really well. Come in, like I said before, learn the language, be able to do all the stuff that you got to do in the huddle in the pre-snap phase. like like it's just instinct rather than trying to like think through it every play. giving a guy like the opportunity to do that for two years and setting him up for success. He's only going to be 23 or 24 when he finally gets to be a starter in theory.
0: It's crazy. He's so young
2: to me. This is like a perfect way to set it up. It's like similar to, I would say like similar to what the chiefs did with Alex Smith and Mahomes. Mahomes is this kind of wild, insanely athletic or, or insanely talented arm talent guy, insanely talented thrower, I should say. And with the rarest arm talent you've ever seen, but he like coming into the NFL, like people are like he's a little wild. He throws it all over the place. He cr- commits too many turnovers. All this stuff came in. Of course, he's playing for Andy Reid, so this is the perfect scenario. Sat for a year, sat behind a guy like Alex Smith, who again is like had a crazy career. Um, ended up being a great mentor, and then they moved on from him after one year, and, and the rest is history. You have like the, the makings of a dynasty here. Yeah. Um. So like in in my mind, I think that would be the ideal. Um, and I know that I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth here, but it makes me a little nervous to take Bryce young that early because of the size thing. And because of what the Seahawks just got done.
0: That's it. it he's, he's you know? the num he's the number one quarterback for someone else. It's yeah. kind of what you're saying. It's
2: I, it's like, again, these guys are so close for me. It's hard to like rank them. I, I do think Bryce young is the best quarterback. But the the size thing is very concerning.
0: Yeah, certainly. And also, you know, on the flip side of that, I feel like the consensus is that CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are NFL ready. Like you, you are kind of expecting them to start week one if you draft them. Yeah. And there is consideration there that you just signed Geno Smith. If you are going to bring in a guy who is supposed to be week one ready, all of a sudden you are introducing some drama that probably isn't there with a guy like Richardson or Levis where yeah. the the consensus understanding is it's okay if they take a year or two to get ready.
2: Yeah. I mean, exactly. You nailed it. And especially a guy like Levis, who again is going to be a 24 year old rookie, you know, is he going to wait until he's 26 to start? I guess they did that with Gino, but like, we don't want to do that every year, you know? Right. Um, so to me, it just feels like a nice situation for Richardson to fall into. You know, I know, um, there's some downside risk, of course, with Richardson, but there's just so much opportunity. It's like nature versus nurture. Like, are you going to get this guy into the right position to succeed long-term? Like this would be a great situation for him. So I'd be excited for Richardson, but also it'd be very exciting for the Seahawks.
0: Let's say that Will Anderson, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and Will Levis are the first four picks. And you're there at number five, and you've got Anthony Richardson versus the field. Because there is opportunity cost to taking quarterback when you've already got a quarterback, right? right? And quarterback was not the reason Seattle did not go further last year. Is there a player out there that you would say, you know what, if he's still there, whether it's Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson or Devin Witherspoon or someone else, that you would say, you know what, I'm going to resist, like you said, the siren song. <laughs> I'm going to take this guy instead.
2: Um, I think the beauty of the situation and the beauty of the CX being at five is I'm actually going to be pretty happy with whatever they do. I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm not going to be, I won't be very disappointed if they pass on Richardson and take a Jalen Carter, for instance, Mm -hmm. Um, because I think he's the type of player they need on, on defense. Like from a schematic point of view, they, they just need to upgrade their defensive line. Like they were just getting gashed last year. They weren't creating enough pass pass rush pressure. Um, You know, he would be like a, a day one, starter for them of course there's a lot of off-field question marks right now with him though and so maybe he's not the best answer for them but like from an on-field and talent perspective he is like one of maybe like two truly blue chip players at the non-quarterback players in this draft so getting him at five I I would not be disappointed yeah
0: and 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 we're not even talking about the trade-back possibility because it was really 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 fun to have two games to watch every week cheer for the Seahawks and cheer against someone else. <laughs> and if they had the opportunity to do that with the Panthers or the Falcons or the Raiders next year, that would be okay too. If moving back two, three, four spots, nets them next year's first round pick also, that's yeah. an extremely attractive option as well. And and yeah, I, I tweeted this out a couple days ago. We've reached a point where barring something just unforeseen I'm going to be thrilled with whatever Seattle does at number five. It's like the perfect position to be because you can let the draft fall to you or you can go out and make moves if you want. Uh, I want to start moving down the draft board a little bit because obviously much of the conversation surrounding Seattle's draft centers around their pick at number five. But they're pretty loaded beyond that. They're currently holding selections at 20, 36, 51, and 83. 36 is another, um,
2: like, you're going to get another good player oh, out there. Oh, man,
0: big time, big time. And no one's talking about 36. The the gap in yeah. most drafts between pick 20 and pick 36 from a talent and success standpoint is not very big, historically yeah. speaking. So, yeah. uh, which player, you know, like I say, you got to see these guys up close. Which players stood out to you as realistic options um, with some of these other prospects? And if that's too open-ended of a question... Who are some guys you'd be excited for the Seahawks to draft that we can keep on our radar?
2: Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of edge guys that are going to be in that range that I wouldn't be surprised go off around that area in terms of like 20 and 36. Um, I mean, we saw what uh, Nolan Smith from Georgia did. He's a little bit undersized. 239 pounds, pounds, I believe he came in. But, like, again, he was maybe the most athletic defensive end prospect ever in terms of testing at the Combine. Just absolute freak show tester. Plus, he's one of the unquestioned leaders of that Georgia team that won two straight national titles. You know, like he is. From everything I've heard, I haven't met him, but like from everything I've heard, he is. His character is like through the roof. He's like a Bobby Wagner type in terms of yeah. like a leader. Um, and so, I'd be. Well, excited you saw about that, that when he
0: was asked about Jalen Carter and about the the teammate who passed yeah. in that in that awful yeah. accident. The way that he handled that, I was just like that. That right there is a guy who can come in an NFL locker room.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, and, you know, I saw, I've seen videos being shared of him, because he was injured for the second half of the season, so he wasn't playing on their run to the national title, but he was, like, just absolutely engaged. He was, like, running out of tunnel, oh, like, high-fiving literally every player on the team as they went out for, like, um, for the game. He's that kind of guy, like, just, you know, I, I think the character thing is going to be really big for him. He was the number one overall prospect in the country. Right. Um yeah, so like like a five talent,
0: star among five stars.
2: The talent, the athleticism, the and he was productive when he was playing. Like he's he can bend. There, you know, I, I have a couple of clips on my Twitter account if you want to go look search for that. It's like he's he's got that bend. He's got a good long arm stab to like get into the pocket. He's just really exciting. So like I'd be I'd be good with that at twenty. Yeah, he's um, like
0: a Ducati coming off the end, man. Yeah.
2: Um he had I think he had one of the best ten yard splits. Of any defensive endeavor, yep, and that's of course very important to get off. Um, so yeah, he he would be exciting. I don't know if he will make it there at this point, but he he's probably going to be in that range. Any of these tight ends, I know that six don't really need tight end, um, but there's some really really intriguing tight ends. Dalton Kincaid is. is a very very exciting pass catcher. I think like he like the way he moves reminded me a lot of Travis Kelsey. I'm not going to say he's Travis Kelsey. He's quite a bit smaller than Kelsey, but like the way he moves and catches the ball and runs after the catch and reminded me of Kelsey. Um, and then you know my dream would be Jackson Smith and Jigba at twenty. Like yeah. that would be the ultimate dream. Yes. But and honestly, the way it sounds, he's going to be there because it seems like the NFL maybe not quite as high on him as I think "quote unquote" draft Twitter is. But the production, you know, the route running, he he ran like top 10 times in the three cone and the short shuttle for receivers ever. He's just really, really fast elite route runner run after catch. I saw a stat. I saw a thing on Twitter and I apologize. I don't remember who it was from, but the Seahawks have been like one of the worst teams in creating yards after the catch in the NFL the last couple of years. And I think that's why they wanted to get Dwayne Eskridge and why they picked him in the second round, but that just has not panned out. I think Smith and Jigba could bring that element in addition to just being a really good route runner and getting open.
0: You mean the guy who had 300 yards in the Rose Bowl?
1: Yeah. He's really good, turns out. Can you imagine how insufferable this show will be? if the seahawks draft a guy named jackson and a guy named jackson that also does not have a k in the name yeah. Yeah. we're
0: coming for you we're going to, the revolution is coming baby oh my god
2: now i don't now i'm running against it um. <laughs> could you imagine
0: the uproar if how like, all fucking offseason, we've been, like, just hammer defense in the draft, hammer defense in the draft, and they go quarterback-wide receiver with their first two picks.
1: Five wide, bring in Cliff Kingsbury as a consultant, bring him back from Thailand yeah, or whatever. Man. I mean, I'd be fine with it. Um, I would be, too,
2: honestly. The other guy that I want to throw out there, I mentioned Kincaid, but I think uh, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame was one of the more impressive guys at the Combine. Yeah. Um, he, again like it's hard to it's not hard from to a gauge. testing
0: standpoint though
2: no I, I was actually gonna say what i was gonna say is it's hard to gauge who a guy is in like five minutes when they're standing on the podium but like i was ready to go to war with michael mayor when he was at the podium like this guy was probably the most impressive at the podium it was like he was giving a press conference about how they, they went on a raid that killed osama bin laden you know what i mean like he was like he got up there with like both his hands he's just like leaning over the crowd he's like Yeah, like, and he had, like, a really just commanding, like, he was just, like, the alpha dog up there. It's just, like, holy shit, this guy's all business. Like, I would give the keys (laughs) to my, like, team to this guy because I know he's going to, like, be all business all the time and work hard and all that stuff that, like, actually really does matter. I know that people talk about, you know, how grit, like, kind of make fun of the Seahawks for, like, their interest in grit and all that. Grit
0: matters. Grit matters a great deal.
2: So Michael Mayer, man, I'd be like, I know he wasn't the most athletic, but like honestly, he was just fine. He was like a, a, around where you'd hope he'd be yeah, in terms of right. athleticism. Like, but he wasn't. He wasn't, like he was he wasn't
0: Darnell Washington or right. uh, or or Kuntz or some of these other guys that just were like, yeah. absolutely breaking the paradigm for athletic tests. It was basically like four Vernon Davises at this combine. Right. It's <laughs> with insane. Darnell Washington, like just nuts. Okay, so so these are these would be some fun toys. But Seattle has some real positions of need, and that's yep. the interior of the defensive line, interior of the offensive line, linebacker, and then if you want to project a couple years ahead, it's safety. So when you're looking up the gut, like right off of the football, are there some day two guys that, first of all, is there someone at 20 that you're like, hey, if this interior offensive or defensive lineman is there, that's my guy, and yeah. if not, are there some day two guys that we should keep our eyes on?
2: Um, John Michael Schmitz is a really interesting one for hopefully day two. I mean, he I doubt he'll go day one. He could, I suppose, go day one. But um, he is a center slash guard prospect who was really, really impressive at the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, if you just look at it's, it's it's always funny because I see these guys going to the Seahawks in, in mock drafts and I was like, that's boring. But like at the same time, they would be so good for the Seahawks. Like they would actually make the Seahawks team better, <laughs> even though it's like not a sexy position. Um, it, just imagine giving Geno Smith more time or you know opening up a lane for Kenneth Walker like these things are very good it's just a little boring um Osiris Torrance I thought was another guy he's an offensive guard out of Florida he's really um just big strong physical
0: he's a guy I've been dialed into recently as well I, I would
2: love to see him in Seattle yeah and hopefully you could get him in the second more likely he's gonna go late first but um yeah I think those are the two guys that immediately come to mind um but, and then I think like on day, later day two, there's probably going to be a bunch of like interior offensive linemen that you could pick, um, as, in terms of defensive linemen, um, that's a good question because there's, there's a lot of tweeners in this class. It's, it's an interesting class from the pass rush perspective because you got guys like Keon White out of Georgia Tech, who is kind of an edge rusher, but I think he could be a sub rusher. could go inside. He's got a lot of length and power. Um, he could, he could be a guy that they're interested in at 20. Um, I don't know if he'll make it this far, but Lucas Van Ness from Iowa is big, yeah. powerful. I was gonna ask uh, you about him. Super athletic. I think he could play on the inside and the outside, kind of just do it, do it all on the offensive line or defensive line. Um, and then uh yeah, there's just a bunch of guys that are sort of like in that two seventy five, two eighty five range that can play both on the edge and on the inside that I think would be interesting to the Seahawks, but um maybe thinking like day two type thing.
0: Yeah, not a lot of like. 300 to 320 pound dudes in this in this draft it feels like
2: yeah they're either huge or or undersized like you got like mozzie smith who's like 330 um or siaki ika from baylor who's like 330 and i don't again like i think there's still some questions about what the seahawks personnel wise are even looking for right um so i i don't i hesitate to even like answer that in terms of like what are they looking for i don't really know i think carol was asked that that. directly
0: yesterday and he was like, yeah, we're still figuring that out. There's the number one thing on my priority list is to figure out what we're doing on defense next year. Yeah.
2: The other guy I will throw out um, who feels sea hockey in a lot of ways is Will McDonald from Iowa State, who is 230-something pounds, so he's very undersized. He's very skinny. He's like got like a petite little waist. Um, but he is extremely explosive, um, very bendy. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Brian Burns when Brian Burns was coming out. Um, Burns is taller and like, he ended up gaining more weight. So like he did the right thing in terms of like his NFL progression and he turned into like an all pro style player. But like when you watch him on tape, it's like the bend, the flexibility, um, the footwork, just graceful in terms of like his ability. He's like spin move is out of control of the good. And, and so, um, he, from that pr- perspective would be very interesting, but also he's like a 25 year old. So the Seahawks love old guys and so that would not be too surprising to see him take that guy too.
0: Okay. So, we've got we've got some some targets maybe to be watching. Obviously, this is going to evolve between now and the draft also. There's still pro days and and positioning and trading and all sorts of stuff that's going to affect this, but it's nice to have a few guys that we can bookmark. Can
2: I, can I throw one more guy out? Of course, yeah, absolutely. Who is a pipe dream. I highly doubt they'll take him. But like and he, they don't need him, and it would be they would be made fun of for doing this and all that stuff. De- Devon A-Chain from Texas oh, A&M. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I just want him. I, Race I car. so desperately want the Seahawks to take this guy. Number one, he's a great kick returner. I could like just number one, like immediately day one, he could be like a good kick returner for them. Not that they necessarily like that's like not that big of a deal, but um, but more importantly to me, he's like he he reminds me of like the Tony Pollard esque. He's, right. he's quite a bit smaller. He's 188 pounds, but he's the fastest guy in the draft in terms of the running back position. Um,
0: yeah, four three two, I think.
2: <clears throat> yeah, he's got legit like Olympic track speed. He is, but he's also a really good running back. I think you know he's he's got. vision. What he produced? Yeah, he's got vision. He can run between the tackles just fine. He's not gonna like push a pile or like you know be a a good end zone type running. He's not gonna like be a battering ram, but um, but he can just absolutely annihilate. Uh, pursuit angles. I think he'd be a great, uh, like one-two punch with with Kenneth Walker and I don't know. I I don't think they're gonna take him. And he he's also good in the passing game. Uh, I don't think they're gonna take him, but he'd be he'd be really really fun to watch. I, yeah, this is yeah. like my pipe dream as a fan.
0: Some some team is gonna have a lot of fun with Devon chain on. He's at best. Team. Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for, I mean, it's funny because that's a name that just kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but. He was one of those first guys when they really started documenting concussions. Mm-hmm. He got a bunch of them to the point, and the pressure was kind of on the league to not just keep throwing those guys out there, and it it cut a very promising career short in Detroit. With John I think DeBras. he went on
2: to play. He he went on to be a star in track, though, and you know he like so that's cool. the same type of deal, the same type of speed that A Chain has. But yeah, it, it was his career essentially ended because of concussions. But he was
0: producing when he was on the field. Oh yeah, big time, big time. All right, so one of my favorite parts of the combine and and this is another underrated aspect of it are all the rumors that come out each year because i'm sure you can vouch the party don't stop when they put the stopwatches away right (laughs) but yeah, you guys the coaches the front office personnel members of the press you guys all got to go eat you're all gonna get some drinks and you start to hear some things thrown around there's there's scuttlebutt in the air so with that in mind what were some of your favorite things you heard while you were down there? Knowing that this is a safe space for unsourced yeah, yeah, gossip. Yeah, it's just me and you. Um, yeah, it's just the two of us. Your feet will not be held to the fire for verifying any of this stuff. Uh,
2: well, I mean, I think one of them, which I which is reflected in my my mock, is that Richardson is not getting out of like the top ten, you know, and he's probably not going to get out of like the top seven at this point. Um, I think he, in in addition to impressing on the field in terms of his athleticism, it sounds like he was just absolutely knocking the park knocking the ball at the park in his interviews. Came across as mature. He came across as mature in, in the combine interview too. Like he, he talked about how he's been raising his brother since he was little. Right. Um and so he he didn't come off as like aloof or cocky or, you know, any of these things that might be concerning for a, a potential quarterback, a potential guy that's gonna like lead your team. Um and so obviously you want to be cocky but not like arrogant asshole cocky maybe Um, right and so you know he came off very mature to me especially for how young he is and so that i think is one that was really interesting um zay flowers got a lot of hype from everybody i was talking to so he was a guy that i thought might be a second round pick but it sounds like he's probably gonna be a first round pick just based on i think the nfl really likes him um
0: there's a story with him he was boston college right and then yeah. didn't he have an opportunity to transfer to Alabama? He got like a big NIL offer to Alabama, I think it was, and he was like, "No, I'm going to stick it out here." And he was the only option on that offense, and yeah. teams knew it, and he still produced crazy. He's got some Antonio Brown to the way he runs routes.
2: For sure. And and of course, like it's dangerous to compare any player to like one of the all-time greats. Of and that's why, why of I'm course. like I'm like reticent to say Kincaid reminds me of Kelsey because I have I've literally never Kel- I've never I don't think comped anybody to Kelsey officially in the 5 years that I've been doing this because like that's you know it's Kelsey. But like the way they move to yeah. me is reticent. And 100% with Zay Flowers, the way he moves, it looks like Antonio Brown. I know. Like he's got like the really jitterbug quick feet. You know, he can move, he can like go up in the ball, go up in the air and catch the ball. Um surprisingly pretty good at the catch point for a, a, a small guy. Um and so yeah, like I can definitely see that. Like you know, I it's dangerous to comp anybody. Yeah,
0: maybe the... if we step back from the best receiver of the last ten years, <laughs> he he refine he reminds me of a more refined Kadarius Tony. There
2: we go, sure. Um, but yeah, it's like the way he moves is very very sudden, and he can get open. And, and so he was another guy that I think got a lot of buzz. There was buzz that the that Bijan is going to be a top ten pick, but I just don't know who's going to take him. I can I can't ever figure out who's going to actually take him. But, um, he, to me is like one of the most like can't miss players, which of course is sometimes a kiss of death, but like, he's so good, man. He's so he's athletic. So he's so he can move um, absolute but, like, favorite
0: like, highlight package of any player yeah. in this draft.
2: And we, and you saw, him if you watched, if you never watched him play, and then you just saw him run his four four six forty And it was like, he looked like he was jogging. That's how he plays. Like, he just looks like he's not even trying. And he's like, just annihilating people uh, in the open field and all that. So. Um, I'm trying to think of other other buzz that there was when we were there. Um, let's see. There was a lot of talk on Jalen Hyatt because he's a really skinny guy who runs sure. really fast and, like, has the profile of a bust. You know what I mean? Like, he's a mm. one-year wonder, won the Belitnikoff, absolutely, atro- like, absolutely incredible numbers, but he was playing in, like, a fake offense. Um, he's 170-something pounds or whatever he was. He's really skinny. Um, so he's like, I think, going to be a hot topic, hot bun topic in terms of, like, this guy looks like a bust, but he also is really good and ins- insanely fast.
0: Did, did Devontae Smith break expectations for small receivers? Because the yes. thing, the thing that gets lost with Devontae Smith, like, that was the whole thing. Is like, no receiver this small has ever been taken this high, but he had like NBA wingspan. And mm-hmm. was also like just, I mean, he won the Heisman Trophy as a receiver and yeah. had like 200 yards in the first half of the national championship game and all all this stuff. Uh, do you think that that there's going to be some teams that kind of get lured in? Well, kinda, yeah. in the, in the same way that you get these huge toolsy quarterbacks, are like oh, well, he can be Josh Allen, we can we can fix him. Is there a little bit of that going on with Jalen Hyatt?
2: Yeah, Jalen Hyatt, uh, he's a, he's another guy that I'm like. I waffle on. I don't know what to think because um, like I said, he, you know, he's not, he, he, I actually comped him to like, if DK Metcalf had never seen a weight room, it's like, he has a lot of similarities to, to DK Metcalf. If you remember him coming out, there was a lot of talk about, Oh yeah, he's, he's big. He's explosive. He can get down the field. He can make big plays. He can score touchdowns, but he can't turn. He's not a good route runner. he's pretty raw. He ran like two routes at Ole Miss, Um, all this stuff. You're hearing a lot. I, I think you will hear a lot of the same things about Jalen Hyatt when it comes to like the negative part mm-hmm. of it. He can't run, he's not a very good route runner. He's just running like two routes. He's running like go routes and post routes. Um, and he's like, you know, just he's a one trick pony and all this stuff. But his trick is pretty fucking good. Yeah. And he can get like he, the way he, the first thing I thought of when I watched him was like the way he extends and catches passes that are just like a little bit overthrown. Like his catch radius on go balls is like different than anybody else in this draft like you put it anywhere in his area he's gonna go get it and so like I remember thinking that when I was watching DK Metcalf and I wrote it in my art in, in my scouting report is like Metcalf has like go-go gadget arms on go balls where like if the pass is slightly overthrown or if it's like over the wrong shoulder he ends up getting it somehow just because he has really long arms and great body control and I see the same thing with Jalen Hyatt he's just like and and I think it, I don't know, actually remember what he measured out in terms of like his length but Um, his arms are ridiculously long and he's got like he's got crazy length just like ability to catch like passes that he has no business catching so in addition to the fact he's really really fast and just has a knack you know for creating plays and creating big plays and creating touchdowns and things like that I'm gonna actually look up how long his arms are because I think it was kind of ridiculous let's see 6 foot 176 pounds he had 32 inches arms which isn't really that long but to me like he his, his wingspan and just his body comp is similar to like the Dante Smith where he's just really like skinny and long. Yeah, forty inch vert, eleven three broad. Jeez, his his stats his his testing numbers are ridiculous.
0: Eleven three is like rare
2: air. Yeah, I mean he he's explosive, man. And um, the only thing is he's like really skinny, and he only did it for one year, so tough to know what to make of them you know
0: yeah 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 well i, I appreciate you sharing some of the insight you got uh, down there off the record uh one last thing before we get out of here you are one of my favorite mock drafters i'm not a fan of most mock drafts because i think a lot of them yeah. are just designed to get reactions and then they they can feed the next little 24-hour news cycle about you know so and so is being rumored to go here and everyone can talk about it but you you put a lot of effort into getting this as right as someone can. So you just had your latest one drop today. Can you tease your Seahawks picks in the first round to us?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I was in my mock. I had quarterbacks going one, two, three. And so Anthony Richardson was off the board at five. I don't really see the Seahawks trading up to get a quarterback. No, mean. So the question comes at five and it's exactly what you asked me. It's like, if, if Jalen Carter is there, do you stick and pick or do you trade back? There's not a lot of guys, honestly, that uh, at number five that would be like really stoked about in terms of this is a perfect value at number five. Like I'd rather have if if Jalen Carter if they don't want to pick Jalen Carter or if he's gone, I probably would prefer they trade back. Um, but that being said, I had them pick Jalen Carter at number five. Just I think blue chip talent wise, he's, he's on another level than pretty much everybody in this class. But absolutely. Of course there's, there's question marks, um, with his character decision-making all that stuff. Obviously this is a tragic situation, but, um, there was also, you know, whispers about his, his character before that even happened. So like, it's just tough to know. I, that's right. not, that's not information I know. So yep. it's one of those things, but, um, so I had them take Carter at five, which I think would be a good pick for them. And then, um, our guy Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20. Love it. Which I but, just think would be perfect for the Seahawks. I'd be, It'd be a great value, I oh think. Oh man. And then they'd have three receivers like Tyler Lockett's not getting any younger, but they've always they've they've struggled lately to have anybody that's a difference maker at the third receiver spot. Well, um, and
0: he's a souped up version of Tyler Lockett. So he's not he's not only just like a complimentary receiver, he's like waiting in the wings yeah. when the time comes with Tyler Lockett.
2: Yeah. So, um, that would be, this would be a pretty dream scenario for the Seahawks, in in my opinion. No Um, kidding. So, yeah. And, and he, I have Njigba being the first receiver off the board. So they have their choice here. Like, do they want Zay Flowers? Do they prefer Jordan Addison? I think both of those guys are very intriguing. We just got done talking about Jalen Hyatt. I don't know if I'd see them taking Jalen Hyatt, but. You haven't mentioned Quentin Johnson. Quentin Johnson's, uh, um, on my mock two. He went to the Jags at 26, or 25, I should say. Um. I, I struggle with him. I think he's, of course, physically intriguing and, and insanely talented, size speed, um, you know, specimen. He's, he's just really, really impressive athletically. But again, he's he he has like he he's a body catcher. Um and he didn't really win with size like I wanted him to. So like I think he's just he's a he's a, a work in progress in terms of yeah. like his receiving skills. He's he's physically probably the most impressive guy though.
1: So I see that you have Michael Mayer going at 15 to the Packers, and uh, with Smith and Jigba going to Seattle at 20. I just like to say thank you uh, for being of sound mind and mocking Mike ahead of Jackson. I really appreciate wow. that, and that's the sign of a great mock wow. draft. So good on you, Danny. Unbelievable! You're on the right side of history Probably once got again. Got a
0: guy named Danny going six overall. <laughs> I'm trying to find. Uh, I don't think there's any Dannys. Damn it. <laughs> Well, listen, man, I know this is just a crazy busy time of the year for you. You're like an accountant at tax time as you prepare for the draft. So we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, dude. Anytime. And then, you know, many of the people listening are already familiar with you from your time masterfully covering the Seahawks of field goals. But before you get out of here, let those who might not know, know where they can get more of you.
2: Uh, Danny B. Kelly on Twitter. And then you can find the NFL draft guide that I put together at. Uh, let's see here. I don't know. Really nfldraft.theringer.com is the exact URL, or you can just Google Ringer Draft Guide. Um, And then, yeah, I uh, co-host the Ringer NFL Draft Show and the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, which is on the same feed, so just
0: subscribe to that. You guys should, I do, I'm better for it. And seriously, guys, the Ringer Draft Guide that Danny puts together is so insightful and so just fun to read. It's an excellent primer. It's a great way to start to familiarize yourself with the prospects that will shape this year's draft. As for us, you can find Mike and I on social media as well. I am on Twitter at Jackson Bevins, that's J-A-C-S-O-N. And Mike is on Twitter at, at Mike Barwin. The show itself is at Cigar Thoughts. You can also find us on Instagram at Cigar Thoughts NFL and on Facebook at Seahawk Cigar Thoughts. Of course, you can listen to this show and read every article at fieldgoals.com slash Cigar Thoughts. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you like the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a quick review. We've already got 200 five star ratings between the two platforms. That is not something Mike and I take for granted. So, thank you to all of y'all listening for your continued support of the show. We know you've only got so much time for audiobooks, music, and podcasts. It's an honor to be a part of that for y'all. Please know that by sharing this show on social media and with your friends, you give us the juice to keep making this happen. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, onwards and upwards, my friends.